You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KYW Original Podcasts. It is an honor to be joined by Philly's icon, Larry Boa, former shortstop, former manager, former coach, now advisor to the team. Larry, thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's July, and there's been no baseball, and hopefully it's coming back soon. How are you feeling about baseball potentially coming back in a, few, in a couple of weeks? Well, obviously I'm happy it's coming back, but I think the main concern is the health of everybody that's going to play. I mean, I, I see a lot of names dropping out, which I, I fully agree if that's what they feel and their families are first. I understand that. Um, I'm just worried about if this does start up and then something happens, maybe the first two weeks or something, I'm wondering how they're going to respond. Major League Baseball is going to respond to that because you might have some teams playing uh, basically double-A AA and triple-A players, which to me would not be fair, but again, to get the product on the field is important, but I think the health of everybody's more important. And we're recording this two weeks away from opening day, Philly's opening day. Um, what do you think the chances are that MLB will be able to start the season on time and be able to finish the season as they plan to? I think they're going to be able to start it on time. I hope they, they're able to finish it. That's the reason they have 60 players, basically. You know, once they have the 30, they're going to have another 30. And from what I understand, our 30 might go to uh, Lehigh Valley and work out, play inter-squad games. So hypothetically, four guys get the virus in Philly. They can bring four guys up. So I think it'll start okay, and I want it to end okay. But if, if like I said, if a team gets hit real hard, I don't know what the uh, ramifications are going to be. You you clearly think that safety is um, a concern. How much of a do you mean flat out? Do you think it's it's safe enough to play baseball in this environment? I think if they do the right protocol, which it seems like we are right now, uh, you know, and just following the news articles and everything, I think what players are worried about more than anything is when they go on a road trip, they go into a hotel. Uh, you know, you're you when you get on the road you're not under their supervision 24 hours a day. So young guys might go out and have a bite to eat. And then I think these players that have families and young children, when they come back off the road trip, now they go into their household and the virus hits them. I think that's the biggest concern is these people that have young kids. I think the single guys are probably going to take more of a gamble than maybe the guys that are married and have two or three kids that are two, three, four years old and, and a wife. And maybe in-laws coming to visit. Uh, those are things that, I mean, we're going to have to keep a close eye on, no question. W would you feel safe enough if you were playing in, a, in the middle of a pandemic? If I had, if my daughter, she's grown up now, but if she was young, I, I would not. Mm. I, I would probably say, 
I, I, I have second thoughts about doing this. Three weeks isn't a lot of time to get ready after having several months off. What do you think the quality of the game's going to be like in a couple of weeks when it, when it hopefully starts? You know, I, I think the biggest thing is the pitching. I think hitters, the three weeks, they're going to be fine. I think you're going to see some guys swinging the bat good. I think the defense will be okay. But the pitching, you got to watch out. I mean, if we, like in our situation, Aaron Nolan and Wheeler, mm -hmm. you can't ask them probably to go more than three innings or 60 pitches. So I think whoever has the best depth bullpen-wise is going to get out of the gate good. Now, once we get rolling and everything's okay as far as the uh, the virus and everything, then you're going to see guys stretch it out a little bit. But at the beginning, I think whoever has a strong bullpen and depth-wise are probably going to get out of the gate a lot better than the other teams. Overall, what do you, what do you think of the, the Phillies roster? I was down at spring training in uniform. I, I really like it. I thought we were playing exceptionally well down there. I, I'm not one to get enamored with wins and losses in spring training because mm -hmm. I've been around too long to know. I've, I've seen teams kill it in spring training and the season starts, they're three and 15. But I really like the makeup of our team. I like the, the progress we were making. I liked our pitching. Uh, and then, of course, the virus hit, and then we all had to go our separate ways. But I really like it, and I would be shocked, barring that we keep everybody healthy and this thing plays out, if we didn't get in the playoffs, I, I would be shocked. And, and the bullpen, you mentioned how um, you think the teams that are going to be really successful are the ones that have the good bullpens. Obviously, the Phillies have Hector Neris. I think Sir Anthony Dominguez was, was a big loss. Big loss. David Robertson may be able to come back uh, for the right. second month of the regular season. What, what do you think of the, the Phil's bullpen? I like our bullpen. You know, uh, Adam Morgan, who I think does a real good job getting right-handers and left-handers out. And you might have one of those, Pavetta or Velasquez, whoever they decide to go with as the fifth man in the rotation, they very easily could go down there. So we have some arms down there. It's a matter of not overusing them early. And I think Joe Girardi does a great job in handling a bullpen. I think he's going to be able to uh, really take care of the bullpen. He's not going to overuse somebody real soon. Uh, and I think that's one of his bigger strengths. You know, he, he managed in – New York being very successful handling a, handling a bullpen. You're going to have a couple extra pitchers to start off. I think the roster is going to start off at uh, 30 right. for a couple of weeks. So you're going to have some extra pitching down there. Uh, again, I, I like I like everything the way it's it's sort of fallen into place. You got McCutcheon who was hurt at spring training from last year. Seems like he's 100%. Mm -hmm. um, we got D.D. Gregorius, a, a big pickup. Uh, Segura is going to play third. Kingery coming back off the virus. It sounds like he's going to be ready. And Riamuto and Hoskins. I, I, Harper. We, we got a good lineup. We got a very good lineup. It's deep. And we have a DH where you got a guy like Jay Bruce. If you want to give McCutcheon some time off his feet, he can DH one day. If you want to give Hart time off off his feet, you can put uh, Bruce out there and let uh, Hart. You get a lot of maneuverability with our roster right now. You got Quinn and Hazley in the outfield. You can manipulate there. So there, there is a lot of, uh, of uh, maneuverability to get guys off their feet because you're going to be playing 60 games in 65 days. So that, and, and, of course, the way the heat is right now, if that heat continues, that will take its uh, toll on, on players, and you've got to keep them off their feet every now and then.
with the 60 games, if you look at the past two seasons, the Phillies have been doing really well after 60 games. And one thing I've been fascinated that you've been saying in a couple of recent interviews that you've done is that the 60-game season should have an asterisk next to it just because it's, just, it's so much shorter than 162. Why do you – a little more detail to that. Why do you think it deserves an, an asterisk next to it? Well, I, I'm just done? using the last year as an example. You saw Washington. What were they, 19 and 32? Yeah. And end up winning the World Series. Uh, I played on teams where we got out of the gate slow, and then we then we took off. Uh, I just think baseball is a long, grueling race. It's 162 games. It shows teams' strengths and weaknesses. You can't hide your warts in baseball when you play a full season. Eventually, if you're short pitching, it's going to show up. If you're short offensively, it's going to uh, show up. But in 60 games – you can fool some people. You can fool a lot of people in 60 games. And uh, that's why I think there should be an asterisk. 60 games is not a 162-game season. I will say this, though, that what the players are going through mentally is probably more taxing on them than playing a full season. And and the other thing that you could see, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, hypothetically, again, because there's so many things that can happen, just say – that a team that was supposed to win got out of the gate slow, okay? And now you have a veteran that's a good player, and he's running to first, and he feels a little twinge in his hamstring. Or he swings and misses, and he feels his rib cage pull a little bit. If you've got a 162-game season, you put him on 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 the 10-day IL or whatever it is now, 14. Here, if a guy goes down, and he's out two or three weeks, you might as well scratch him for the rest of the year. So things like that come up. A pitcher, maybe he has a little tendonitis in his shoulder. He's got to miss a couple starts. Well, in 60 games, you might as well forget it. But if you have 162, he can take those two starts, make, make sure this settles down in his arm, come back, and pitch the way he's capable of. So there's so many, there's so many variables that can happen here. Uh, and guys, let's face it. Let's say a guy's got a family of three. And his team's already nine games out after 25, 30 games. He knows they're not going to get in. Right. He's level saying, you know what? I, I don't need to go through this aggravation. My family's at home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it, call it a day and go on in. So, so there's so many things that can happen. I guess, I guess in a sense, and you alluded to it with how it could be tougher mentally on a player, this season it's going to be harder than really any other season we've seen before in baseball. What do you think about that? Yeah, and one thing people don't talk about, well, I guess they've talked about, is no fans. You know, fans get you motivated, especially at Citizens Bank or, and when I played at the vet. Uh, if you're feeling a little down or you're tired and you come out and you feel, and you feel 35, 40,000 people screaming and yelling, that gets, you, that gets everything going a little bit. It gets you motivated. It makes you say, hey, I better start concentrating because these people, they want to see a good product today. So with no fans in the stands, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, you hit a home run or a grand slam walk-off. You do the air high fives. You can't hug anybody. You can't throw the Gatorade. You can't do anything. So you can't spit. You can't use sunflower seeds. Coaches have masks on. You know, a third-base coach, I coach third a lot. You go up to the guy on third and say, okay, make the ball go through. Watch a chopper off the plate. Tag it on a fly ball. Freeze on a line drive. You can't even go near the guy. you got to do everything in the box. So those are different things that happen that guys aren't used to it happening. 
It's going to be interesting to see how they're able to handle it. Um, the DH and the runner on second base in extra innings, that, that's different in the National League, and, and the second base thing is different right. in baseball. What do you think about those new rules in the National League and in baseball in general? I understand uh, the DH. You know, I, I, I was definitely old school. I, I, I didn't want the DH, but the more I watch pitchers get hurt, whether they're squaring around a bunt, bunt a ball off their finger. Running to first, pull a hamstring. Sliding into second, head first, hurt their shoulder. And let's face it, with the exception of maybe five, six, seven pitchers, most of the pitchers haven't hit since high school. You have some hitters, pitchers that can hit a little bit in the National League. For the most part, the majority are outs. So I guess I've sort of leaned the other way on the DH for, hey, if I'm a general manager and owner of a team, I don't want my Aaron Nola or, or Zach Wheeler pulling a hamstring running to first or breaking a finger trying to bunt. So I get that part of it. The runner on second, I'm not a fan of uh, at all. Uh, I, I just think that uh, it's taken away from the game of baseball. And But I get what they're trying to do in 60 games. They don't want a 16-inning game. <laughs> you dilute your whole uh, bullpen. So I guess I, I would say I'm on it for 60 games, but hopefully this doesn't go on when the season when we have a 162 game season, because I don't think that that's the way to play the game of baseball. But I get it this year because of uh, you don't want to overuse your bullpen. You don't want a 16. Say you have a 16 inning game, then come back with another 13 inning game. Man, you might be done in that bullpen for another 10 days. So I get that part of it. That's what I have for you on baseball before we get to your career. And, and it's kind of dimmed down a little bit in the past couple of weeks, but it's going to come back that the contentious mood between the players and the owners which we experienced the back and forth for weeks and weeks and weeks on end and it's not going away because they got the negotiation coming up after next season what do you think about the state of the game right now in terms of its optics and the popularity of it after what we just witnessed this summer with 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 the back and forth well we definitely have to win back fans people are very disgusted the way this thing uh uh went on for this long of a period um and up throw in the, uh, the coronavirus, people are out of work. Uh, and it seemed like money was a big issue here. And you got people that they don't even know where their next meal's coming from. That publicity didn't go over very well with the public. Uh, I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong. I've been on both sides of this thing. Mm-hmm. I went through four of these strikes. And believe me, they're not fun. I really believe the owners and players wanted to play. But when you get two sides bumping heads like they did, it's tough. It's tough to come to an agreement. Uh, there are, there's no doubt in my mind that when this 2021 season ends, there's going to be some issues here that, that have to be resolved. And I would think between now, whether they play this year or not, and next year when they do play, that they can close the gap a little bit on some of these major issues. Uh, because I don't think fans want to hear that. They do when pay, People are making the kind of money, I'm not just saying baseball, that athletes make. They don't want to hear about issues about money, especially like right now. So I think it's important that baseball in general close the gap. These two sides got to come together a little bit better than they have. And understand that the product's on the field. People come out and see these guys play. Mm -hmm. And for them to strike again, that's my dog. (laughs) For them to strike again uh, would be terrible for the game of baseball uh and i really believe that cooler heads will prevail i really do i really do and as far as the game is, is, goes 
I do think there's no more strategy in this game. It's more home run, walk, or strikeout. I'd like to see a little bit more hit and yeah. run steal. If you watch Washington last year, they played like it, like we played back in the day. They, they squeezed, they hit and ran, they stole bases, they bunted guys over. Um, they played baseball the way it's supposed to be played. And, uh, you know, we get away from that a little bit because we rely on home runs. And obviously the analytics are a big part of baseball right now. And most teams are into the analytics. And I'm not saying I'm not. I think there's a balance. And I think that's why Joe's going to be good. I think he's going to use the analytics, also use his gut and his experience, which I think is cool. But if you just go one way and use analytics, period, I don't like that part of it. I like the part where you use both, both, both things, analytics and your gut and your experience. You know, Larry, I was thinking about it, and um, there, you're in a, a, gr- a small group of guys who have been associated with one sports organization for a very, very long time. 60s as a minor leaguer, 70s, 80s as a player, 80s, 90s as a coach, uh, 2000s as manager, 2010, last decade as a coach, and then you're an advisor now. That's, you've been associated with the Phillies in seven different decades. Um, right. what, what does it mean to be so closely associated with a team that's, you know, that's on the exact opposite end of the country from where you grew up. Well, it, it, it's funny you ask that because I, I really believe that in my heart, th- this is where I grew up basically as a player. I mean, they took a, a, a chance in signing me. I didn't get drafted. I didn't play high school baseball. I got cut. Uh, and for them to reach out and take a, a chance, I mean, it was a gamble. I didn't get a lot of money, so they wouldn't have lost a lot of money. But uh, the fact that they gave me an opportunity to play big league baseball is something that I, I will never forget. And I've been very loyal to this organization. Uh, I think it's a great organization. I've been with the Yankees and Dodgers, who I think are two tremendous organizations as coaches uh, under Joe Torre, been with Seattle, with Lupinella. I would put the Phillies right up there, uh, second to none. And uh, it's an organization that. Uh, Obviously, uh, we, we wish we'd have had more pennant for championships. I know when I played in the 70, mid-70s, I thought we could have won a couple more. Yeah. I know uh, when they won in 2008, they felt they could have won a couple more. Mm-hmm. And then in 93, we shocked the world and got yeah. to the World Series with that bunch of uh, veterans that were on their last leg. That could have been a, a, another championship. But the fans have been great. The, the loyalty of the fans is unbelievable. To watch those parades, whether it's the Phillies, uh, the Eagles – go down Broad Street is something that uh, if you've never been in it, it's something that you will remember the rest of your life. You know, I'm, you've been through so many different memories, as you just said. What are some of the fondest ones for you? Obviously, winning in 1980 is up there, but what, what, what are some of the ones that stand out to you? Well, the 80 was the best because that's the ultimate. But making the, the team in 70, uh, taking the line at the Connie Mack Stadium, playing the national anthem, and I'm thinking – Man, I, I was just hoping I'd get here for a day. And then after I stayed there a while, I said, maybe I can stay a month. Maybe I can stay two months. But to, to know that a, a free agent guy that didn't get a lot of money to sign, didn't play high school, made it to the big leagues, you know, I was proud of that moment. That was one moment that was very good. Another moment was getting 2,000 hits. Uh, a lot of people didn't think I was going to hit in the big leagues. And I'll be the first to admit I wasn't a very good hitter when I first came up. But the hard work that I put in and the coaches that helped me, uh, have been uh, very responsible for my successes. And so getting that 2,000 hit in L.A. against Fernando Valenzuela was huge. Uh, another big moment was not only winning the World Series in 80, but 
how we beat Houston. Yeah. Uh, every game was an extra inning game except the first one. Going in there, we had to win the last game against Nolan Ryan. Yeah. If you look at the record after the seventh inning with a lead, it's off the charts. It was like, oh, we might as well throw in the white flag. And we came back and we won that game. So there's been I've been able to watch two Hall of Famers, Schmitty and Lefty. And I think there should be another one in there, Pete. So to be able to play with three guys like that uh, is was was an honor. And I managed Tony Gwynn. I managed Alex Rodriguez. I mean, I coached Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've sort of run the gambit here. Uh, and, I, and I look back on my career, and I can honestly tell you, you know, a lot of people, I've even talked to them that quit. They said, man, I wish I'd have done this when I played or – I can tell you right now, I did everything I wanted to do. I played hard. I would have liked to get more home runs, but I wasn't a power hitter. But uh, other than that, I, I don't have any regrets about how I played or how long I played or who I played with. I had great teammates. I had great people running the organization. Dave Montgomery, tremendous human being. Ruley Carpenter, one of the first owners, as good an owner as I've ever seen in baseball. Uh, so I've been Pat Gillick associated with Pat Gillick in Seattle and here, uh, Charlie, Charlie Manuel. Yep. So I, I, I've been involved with some big time baseball people that love the game of baseball. They're, they weren't in it for the money. They love the game of baseball. And I sort of patterned myself after that. If somebody would have paid all my bills, I would have played for nothing. Really. I would have, I would have played for nothing. Um, that, that eighth inning against Nolan Ryan, you mentioned the, how he just, you, it was unheard of for him to lose. Yeah. If, I, if I recall correctly, you, you got, um, you sparked that I, rally, but what do you I, remember about that? I remember I was getting my helmet and Pete Rose said, Hey, if you get on, we're going to win this game. And I, you know, Pete's always positive. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, I know Pete, you know, cause I like that, that positive attitude. So the first, the uh, second pitch, I got a base hit to the left. Then Bob Boone hit a ball. It was a perfect double play ball. It went off Nolan Ryan's glove and like trickled behind the mound. So now we have first and second with three or four pitches being thrown. Because people say, why didn't they take Nolan Ryan out? So then Greg Gross comes up and bunts the very first pitch, a perfect bunt down third. So we have the bases loaded, and I don't think he threw more than five or six pitches. Because people were getting on burden, why he didn't take it happened so fast, and then we got big hits after that. Uh, but I remember Pete saying, Hey, if you get on, we're gonna win this game. And then Pete walked with the bases loaded, and I remember him screaming at Nolan, saying, You don't have enough, you don't have enough. And I'm going, Whoa, because <laughs> people don't know Nolan Ryan. I'm sure if this wasn't a playoff game, he would have hit somebody because you just don't do that stuff to Nolan Ryan. And it turned out, uh, Pete was uh. He, he read the stars. He read <laughs> and he was right. Um, 93, you mentioned that, you know, you guys were uh, the veterans that were on their last leg. What made that year so special? Um, did you envision in spring training when everybody was picking the Phillies to finish last, that you guys would even remotely come close to game six of the World Series? No, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie to you. But I did know that, you know, when you stretch and everything, coaches walk around and, and all, all these publications come out saying the Phillies will be – they come in last. Everyone picked us to come in last. And I could hear guys say, this ain't going to happen. You know, because we had a lot of veterans that were towards the end of their career. And they played with a lot of pride. And then we got out of the gate unbelievable. I mean, we really, I think the second half we might have played right around 500. But we jumped out. 
And then as you can see this thing unfold, and you can see that you see us starting to believe in ourselves a little bit. And uh, you said, hey, you know what? This can happen. And, uh, you know, then beating Atlanta in the playoffs, that was huge. They had an outstanding team. And like you said, we almost did it. I mean, uh, Joe Carter hit a home run. You know, everyone wants to chastise Mitch Williams. If Mitch wasn't on our team the whole year, we don't even get in there. Right. So I, I never bl blame one person for losing a game. People want to go back to the last thing that happened. What about in the third inning when Joe Schmo was hitting with the bases loaded and he struck out? Or what about an error that so-and-so made with the bases loaded? It was a routine play. They don't go back and look at the whole game. So I, Mitch felt bad. Everybody felt bad. But you know what? Without him, we don't, we don't win that world. We don't get to the World Series. Over 40 saves certainly speaks for itself. Now let's fast forward to your time as a manager. And you were managing when guys like Utley and Ryan Howard and Cole Hamels were developing in the minor leagues. Could you sense when you're in spring training and you're seeing these kids, could you sense that that core was developing into what would end up being the second golden era in Philly's history? Yeah, I could see they had some talent. There's no question about that. In fact, in 2001 or 2002, when Cole Hamels came up, Eddie Wade was our general manager. And we were, I remember this like yesterday. We were getting ready to play a night game, a televised night game against the Yankees at Tampa. And I told Eddie, I said, I'm going to start Cole. And he looked at me and he went, I don't know, Bo, you know, he's rookie. And I said, let's just do it. It's spring training. And he went out there and I, I don't know if he pitched two or three innings, but he dominated. And that time on, I, I said, this guy's going to be something special. And as it turned out, he was. I knew Jimmy was going to be good. Utley, he, you could mm -hmm. tell he wanted it. Uh, Ryan had the big time power. Uh, you could see that they were going to be, it was a good core there. Sort of remind, Ryan reminded me of our core with me and Greg Lazinski and Mike Schmidt and Bob Boone and Larry Christensen. Uh, and, and, you know, we got Carlton when he was in 71. So we had a good core group also. So you, if you have five guys or four guys that come up through your system and play together, and you get any kind of pitching at all, you, you got a good chance of, of being successful at the big league level. This one might be a little bit difficult to answer, so I apologize ahead of time. You know, you played with two guys who have their numbers retired in, uh, in Mike Schmidt and Steve Carlton. And Jimmy, Chase, and Ryan, and, and even Cole, you could argue, deserve to have their number retired, but they may not make the Hall of Fame. What, what do you think about that? I, I just think that, that the Phillies have set – set the parameters. If you're in the hall of fame, you get it retired. Right. There's some guys on our team that could have been Tug McGraw's could have been. Yeah. No question. Bob Boone, check what he did out. Uh, there's, there's a lot of Pete, Pete Rose. Maddox was a tremendous player. Yeah. Greg Lazinski. All those guys had the same kind of years. Those guys had. So you, you're opening up another can of worms. So yeah. it's just a matter of what direction they want to go. That's a good point. And my last one I have for you, Larry, in your wildest dreams, could you ever imagine that a kid from Sacramento would end up becoming an icon in a Northeast city in Philadelphia? I know you talked about how you kind of grew up in Philadelphia because of your playing days, but could you ever imagine that you would be where you are today after, after all these years? No, not, not at all. I mean, my wildest dreams, uh, you know, especially not making high school, uh, getting cut. Uh, not going through a tired draft, not getting drafted. Uh, you know, people say, you know, when I say I'm from California, they go, why didn't you go back? 
I, I just sort of fell in love with the season, you know, change of the seasons. It's a blue collar city. I was raised in a blue collar family. My dad worked hard, uh, had two and three jobs. He played professional baseball, got his highest AAA. Uh, and I've been around people that work. So when I came here and I knew that if you worked and gave 100%, these people, eventually they're going to boo you every now and then. But for the most part, you can win them over by playing hard. Uh, so, I mean, if I tell kids now, I said, just remember one thing. If I had to do one thing over again, I would have got a college degree because I was very lucky. I got every opportunity. I took advantage of the opportunities. You know, they say if you have an opportunity knocks, you got to kick the door in. And I was in a perfect place in 70 and 71. They're rebuilding. And they said, we're going to go with young kids. If it was a veteran team, I probably would have been shipped out and maybe never got to the big leagues. So I, I cherish all the opportunities I got, but I also worked hard for it. The two over 2000 hits, Billy DeMar is a hitting coach at that time. He probably worked with me more than any human being alive. And we went in every single day and hit during the winter. We hit it every day till my hands bled. I took ground ball after ground ball. I worked hard. I, I did not cheat anybody. Uh, and that's why I sort of fell in love with the city because it is a blue collar city and all they want is effort. You give an effort, you give effort, they're going to respond in a positive way. And it's like I said, it's sort of been a, uh, a dream story. But if I advice I give kids is get the college degree, you might not be lucky like I was. We had guys in the minor leagues when I played that were very good, but we had such a good infield. We had Schmitty and me and, and Pete and, and Manny Trio. They couldn't move. They couldn't move through the organization. And that's not their fault. We just had a good nucleus. Just like I'm sure in 2008, the Phillies had a great nucleus. There's guys that probably have more ability than I did, never got an opportunity to play. And that's a shame. That's why you need that degree to fall back on. Well said, Larry. Well said. Former Phil Larry Boa, Phillies icon Larry Boa. Larry, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Stay safe, stay well, and hopefully there's baseball in a couple of weeks. Okay, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely. Thank you, you, Larry. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.